listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. We have a very dynamic, creative, and hardworking uh, musician and digital marketer for the, uh, the episode this week, Suzanne Yeda, aka Little Spiral, and also head of the Yeda Creative Digital Marketing Agency. Suzanne has had a really interesting journey to uh, get to where she is now, both as a uh, songwriter and an online business person. We'll get to all of that in a moment. Uh, first, I'm going to play a little snippet of her tune, Arrive. Sounds like Fiona Apple to me, which is always a win. So let's get into it. Am I So uh, where are you based out of? I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I'm kind of out in the suburbs. But I'm, I'm, I've been here for since 2008. Wow. So you've seen a lot of change. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thoughts are I might have been some of that change. Um, but I actually I was originally from the San Francisco Bay Area, like mm-hmm. when I was a kid. But then we moved when I was eight to the Central Valley, which is, you know, middle part of the state, flatland. Is that Sacramento and stuff? Uh, Way south. So right in the Fresno area. Okay. But yeah, it's it's like Sacramento, but south. So you're you're somewhat of a of a native and you're in the uh, the tech community yeah. out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh tangent tangentially adjacent where it is adjacent i'm adjacent to the tech community yeah Mm -hmm. wow um so i'm aware that uh you have a music project a little spiral yes and then you're running um a a digital marketing marketing agency so um Mm -hmm. yeah i guess Mm -hmm. my first question is like what is a a typical week looking like for you there's no such thing (laughs) There's absolutely no such thing. Um, so these days, actually, um, because I'm in the middle of teaching a six-week course on Facebook and Instagram ads to small businesses, mm-hmm. including some musicians, but mostly small businesses, I am 100% focused on that and getting all the tutorials up and ready yeah. um, for this, for the next coming week or two, well, I'm going to say three. Um, But then I also am playing violin with a a band who's fundraising for cancer this uh, in, in two weekends. So that is, um, that's been a lot of fun. And then I also have a um, electronic duo project Mm. that called Helix code that I'm really excited about. Um, So I'm a collaborator in that. So I've got a lot of things going on, but right right now, as of this week, I am 100% tutorials, answering questions, yeah. hopping on Zoom, showing people around the the ads platform, and um, and getting people really really clear on their marketing. So you uh, you're helping creatives and and small businesses with figuring out how do I get my message out there? How do I get my business out there yeah. in the wider world exactly mm-hmm. exactly i'm i'm basically the the 
this stop between trying to do everything yourselves and trying to hire a big expensive agency. Yeah. Like I, I'd be coming in and, and instead of DIY and done for you, I'm the do it together kind of person. Cool. So you're kind of like the first point of contact once somebody's mm-hmm. kind of realized this isn't uh, necessarily always a solo venture. Yes, exactly. That's, that's kind of my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how long have you been uh, uh, maintaining that? So I've been in digital marketing for five years. Before that, I was in journalism for about 15, um, depending on whether you count high school journalism, uh, which I do, sure. Um, So before that, um, coming from journalism to marketing, I've always kind of sort of like – I've always been a musician of some sort, but yeah. never really fully owned the label until mm. I got out of journalism, actually. So um, full, I should say it wasn't until I fully owned the label of musician that right, I... Right, not record uh, label, the identity, right, I, you mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just want to make that clear. I don't own a label. Um, <laughs> but owning the identity of musician happened right after... Um, right as I was considering leaving journalism because I felt like I had more to say than could be fact-checked. And in the journalism world, you really do have to like have a veneer, have a, like a a non-biased veneer. And that's, that's totally, you know, fine and acceptable, but I was just growing out of that. And I, I did not want to censor myself Mm. in my music and I didn't want to hide who I was and things that I thought and felt because it was unprofessional. So, um, you had a point of view that you wanted to be able to express more in your professional life. Yeah. 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 So I, I, um, left the journalism world. Actually I was, I was laid off. And decided to not come back because of music. And so the reason I'm in marketing is because I, I earned all of these these skills in the journalism world. The um, social media, like social media, was a brand new thing uh, at the time, and mm-hmm. I had that specialty skill. And so I wanted to transfer that to businesses. Um, and then. Uh, I'll also be just a little more clear. Social media was a new thing at the time. I I started the professional journalism track. And so I I earned that skill as I was a journalist. Then when I ended, um, I just transferred those skills to businesses who Mm -hmm. could could pay me and have been freelancing ever since. And I chose that so that I could have the time and the flexibility and the funds to work on my music and, and not have to, I'm, I'm kind of a, a I, I love music. I'm passionate about it. I want to play it all over everywhere, but I also love teaching people. And I love yeah. showing people systems and, um, sharing my knowledge. And, um, and so I, I'm not one of those musicians who's like, I must be a musician at all costs for everything. Uh, and there's no plan B. Um, right. And what, what does that necessarily mean too? Cause if you're making your whole income from touring, for example, there's a lot of activity in that that is not 
being a musician or making music, you know, yeah. that comes with its own set of oh, yeah. skills and hardships. So it's kind of like, um, you know, pick your, your challenge, but you're still oh, carrying yeah. on the identity of a musician and creating music. So it's seems kind of, totally. always seems yeah. kind of nitpicky to me. So, yeah. It, it, it does. It's like, okay, I, I do know some people who do music full time and it's like, I'm part-time teaching and I'm part-time doing this and I'm part-time like a, 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 a session musician and those to me are like, well, I might as well like waitress or something um, because I'm not really compelled to yeah. be a session musician on somebody else's music. And I'm not really compelled. Although the, I, I do like the idea of teaching music, but I, I like teaching marketing instead. That's right. like my jam. It's kind of more your first So, choice. yeah. And I, um, I also chose that so I could be portable and flexible and um, I can't exactly haul my keyboard everywhere, um, which kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, I can relate um, to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always envious of guitarists. I know. This, the world's kind of, um, at least the, the singer songwriter world is very much revolved around the standard of a guitar. And it kind of pisses me off. But also, it's all right, cool. Then I'll stand out from the crowd. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I actually picked marketing because of music. Um, of all the things that I could be doing post-journalism, um, I picked that one because I could, you know, have, um, I could conceivably be on tour, carry my laptop, earn yeah. some money during the day, and then play, play gigs at night and not put all of the financial pressure on my creative outlet. Yeah. So... And that's also me. Um, I don't want to discourage anybody who is like, absolutely, this is my number one. There's no plan B. Because sometimes it takes that in order to really achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. Um, but my definition yeah. of success is not like somebody else's. Yeah. My definition, Everybody's definition yeah. is totally different. Totally, totally. So mine is just I, I want to make – um, a good living, doing something I love, uh, where money flows easily, which unfortunately, you know, the music business money flows, doesn't flow quite as easily as in the marketing world. But, um, and have that come in so that I have time and funds to do what I love without having the, the, the pressure of the economics yeah. on it. That's, that's what my definition of success is. Um, it may not be somebody else's, but that's what mine is. Oh, I can certainly, certainly relate to that. Um, and then it, it's, it's, things are kind of all working in tandem with each other. Uh, the marketing and the, the music, it's all kind of fitting into a larger whole, I guess. Like, um, They're not unrelated businesses. I don't, my, my, my sense of what's involved with journalism and what's involved with marketing, and then also what's involved with music, it seems to all have components of storytelling yeah storytelling and stages um yeah. it's it's a one-to-many all of them are, have been one-to-many and i've felt very drawn to um that those kind of careers i actually grew up my my father owned uh, a bunch of printing presses in the central valley mm. and so the idea of marketing has always been in my head but also this idea of one to many you set up the presses here and then you print out ten thousand of them and you ship them and post them and whatever whatever you do with all of the printed materials it's always been a broadcast kind of um 
mentality when I think about what I want to do in this world. And um, I'm very keen on like, it's, it's storytelling, it's communicating one to many. Um, any combination of that, I'm very like interested in. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of um, what you've always been uh, working with sort of your, your mindset. So your agency has been going on for about five years and uh, I'm guessing you've been making music nearly your whole life. What are some um, highlights you've, you've had in, in both realms? Oh, that's a great question. I think musically there's, there's so many different things I could pinpoint to be like, yes, that, that's what, like, that's a highlight. Um, so I'll give you kind of a, a, a handful, sure. um, like something that represents the, the ranges. Um, just the very first time being in a studio, um, I have been a musician since I, you know, maybe eight. So learning piano. Right, you started very early. Yeah, I mean, I, I know some kids who started at like three or four, so eight. <laughs> to them is late. Um, so, uh, I, I took piano lessons at, at eight and then I picked up the violin in public school around 11, age 11. And I kind of messed around with it. And I think I probably wrote my first song when I was 17 or 18, like a beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. Here's a, here's a verse, here's a chorus, here's that. Um, I probably wrote about a song a year from age 17 to age 29. Mm. So it's, it's something <laughs> Just, more on the back burner. Yeah, it's definitely a back burner. I, I would um, try and pull out a song for a talent show every year, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. uh, or some open mic or something. And uh, it was not it was not something in my identity either. It's like I, I played music, I played piano, but I for some reason calling myself a musician meant that it was my job and like, nah. <laughs> so, uh, I actually came to songwriting more with a writer's background. Like, so I'm a very lyric driven right. songwriter. Um, and I have like some, uh, poetry in the background, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Mixing with my my dad's print shop, I also published some chapbooks with with my poetry oh. and some scenes and some stuff. So I'm giving you like the whole highlight. Yeah, note, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but the I think the turning point was when I think I think when I realized that my my time in journalism needs to be rethought. Hmm. Um, what were some of the struggles you were bumping up against? Yeah. Um. I mean, just the industry kind of suffering as a whole at that time. Yeah, yeah. The journalism industry and the music industry have a lot in common, and that like the physical products that once were being purchased with money, mm. newspapers or CDs, now nobody buys. Um, and the internet has taken a lot of the, um, for example, when Craigslist started existing. I think people don't realize that classified in the newspaper was about like 30% of revenue. Wow. I didn't didn't know that. I figured it'd be a percent, but that's huge. Yeah. Subscriptions is less like advertising and classifieds is where 
newspapers made most most of their money. Yeah. Subscription is sort of kind of there, but classifieds was like thirty percent of revenue. When that was decimated, the whole business model was done for. It was done. Mm. So um, same with Napster. Like Napster comes along, and then the CD business is like, well. We're out the window. So very parallel industries. Um, however, like, so when I was, when I was kind of coming to terms of maybe I no longer fit for, for a decade or more, I really absolutely fit in the journalism industry. I think it's when I started coming to terms with the idea of, um, uh, Political neutrality not being the correct answer. <laughs> mm. Stories and topics out I, there just being too polarizing to. Well, I think I think it was it was more about I wanted to say out loud that I supported gay rights without being um, in the Bay Area of all places. Well, at the time I was in the Central Valley, which is a very conservative. Oh, okay, place. okay, yeah. So we're. Uh, so at the time, I wanted to be vocal about my support for it and not have to compromise my professional ethics. Like my personal ethics and my professional ethics right. started to start conflict because I was not supposed to say anything out loud that could peg, peg me as a liberal or, or, or a conservative. And I just think, oh, that's bullshit. Like rights are rights. Love is love. Like I need to not say anything about that and the same thing with you know when when black lives matter happened that was something that was pivotal for me like in that in that build-up that i really felt strongly i needed to say something but because i was in journalism you're not supposed to have a voice i'm i'm not supposed to take sides so i finally realized that if i was to be in integrity with what I wanted to be and do, I needed to be outside of this framework. So, um, I then, you know, and I, I also just, just FYI still love and respect all different kinds of whatever, but I absolutely, um, will pick some sides (laughs) when it comes into it. So when I, when I, realized that was also the same time that I realized that the identity of a musician in me has always been there and my capability of writing songs that expressed my ideas and feelings have always been there but they've just not been touched so not all my songs are political and everything but some of them are and some of them talk about issues that I wouldn't want on the front page of the New York Times Mm, but I would want in an album so um if if i realized i was going to make that transition um to being my more authentic self well then the musician has to come out too and yeah yeah i really had to come to terms with that because i knew oh my god i'm leaving one shitty industry for the next (laughs) So, but um, would you describe digital marketing as, I mean, is that really trying and challenging or is it just kind of misunderstood still in sort of the wild west? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because, um, so let me, let me 
at least finish oh, this sure, thought. Sure, yeah. I can get into that. Um, so what, when I'm making this transition of, of becoming who I really am and not giving and it like, but just not, not conforming anymore, about, not conforming anymore. Um, that was also the m- moment where I put real money down mm. on hiring somebody to do it with me, like a producer. So that going back to the, your very first question of what your highlight reel was, um, the, the moment that I was in a studio with a professional producer yeah. doing one of my songs that I wrote, right. nobody else's was pivotal for me and it was powerful and it was this, this new way of, of being and identifying as, yep. It's a I'm very a empowering feeling. Here it is. Yep. So, um, so that's like one of the, one of the big highlights on that. Um, and then you also asked a highlight on like the marketing career. Um, so I, um, I mean, I got, I got plenty of clients results that I would love to, you know, brag about and, and, and things like that. But I think the real highlight for me is, yeah, when, when we, when we see something come in, that gets somebody three times their investment. Uh, and we see certain ad sets come in that get somebody 30 times their investment. Yeah, that's a highlight. But really, when I get to see somebody have an aha moment, mm. and that's why I love teaching. Um, and that's why I love like, I do one on one consulting. Well, I, I do less of that now I, I do more group coaching right, and, right. and consulting and, and programs now. But um in all of that, uh, it's it's the teaching element that um, I get to take some like complicated weirdo thing and I get to break it down for somebody and have them have some light bulb moments like yeah. over and over and over again. So that's really exciting for me about like so there's the journalism industry which is like in shambles and it breaks my heart. And then there's the music industry, which is in shambles, and it breaks my heart. And the digital marketing industry is like, like financially well and stable, but never the same. It's always the changing. Tactic, the tactic that worked six months ago yeah. no longer works, and so it's 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 not falling apart, but it's just evolving uh, super quickly. A yeah. It's a beast, and it's hard to catch on sometimes. So, um, I enjoy. Taming the beast for people. Hmm. That's what I enjoy. It's, yeah, I just as someone who, you know, I know hundreds of uh, musicians at different levels. And um, yeah, kind of just the one most annoying misconception I, I see some people have is they blame their content or the quality of their music first before anything else without oh, yeah. kind of being able to make this connection that, um, there's an, it's kind of somewhere bes- between a science and an art of yeah. displaying what you're about and what you're offering to a large group of people. And when you can really help someone like internalize and understand, you know, what that art and what that science is, I, I imagine that's a very rewarding moment for you. Cause you're also, I imagine able to select different organizations and businesses and, and artists that you believe in and you want to support. And when you can af- affect this change and, give them this like financial success. It's like, you're, you're really making waves. 
Yes, that is, that's, that's also why I continue to do like be an independent contractor because I, I get to work on the projects that really speak to me Mm. and I get to help people out. Um, and, um, I had, you know, it, it, any, anybody who is an entrepreneur who hasn't at least once decided, like thought that they were going to quit and go back to nine to five, uh, I think they are, uh, delusional because I, th- I think everybody has had at least that fleeting thought or 10 times and when I had that. Yeah. Like yeah. over and over and over again. And I've had that. And I was like, so if I go back there, then I would, th- and then I had some interviews even, I, I kind of went in the process and the more I talked to them and the more I'm like, no, that just, that just doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like what, what, what is speaking to me. Mm. Um, because because of just that, like I want to be able to affect the clients that come to me with amazing projects. And if I'm working for somebody else, I'm going to work on projects, whatever they hand me. Right. And whether or not I agree with them or whether or not I care about them. You're more subservient. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's a big reason why I'm staying, uh, Staying indie, as Circa has said. Yeah, Staying shout indie. out to entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I. Uh, are you finding that your marketing agency experience and the, the people you're dealing with that'll go back into what inspires you with little spiral and is there kind yeah. of a symbiosis there? Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely not unrelated industries they're they're very much related um and i've i've also you know written some songs that might be secretly about some computer geeky thing Mm -hmm. uh but you know crafted poetically yeah Uh, (laughs) um i actually did write a song about click farms which uh i don't know if anybody's listening who understands click farms but uh you're you're hiring people out in third world countries to just kind yeah. of mindlessly Click generate some sort of result on a website or whatever. And it's a, it's a very insidious kind of nonsensical strategy yep. for, for some efforts. But I, I could see how that kind of mechanical cold idea could definitely translate in a Pink yeah. Floyd could write about yeah. <laughs> Click Farms. <laughs> so, like, I think the, the uh, chorus is, uh, goes, um, Work all day, get the job done with okay pay. Somebody's bound to take the bounty we make. Watch how we made millions with this index finger using simple exploitation triggers. Yeah. You made a universal, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's exactly that. Totally. But it's yeah, it's the same sort of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do you uh, how do you like to create your music? typically when, when you're able to, to find the time, what's kind of your process? It's a great question. It also, um, is a, a geeky question because I'm me and that's who I am. Um, I have an Evernote app that I've been using since 2012. It is wow. 2019 now. So that makes seven, seven years worth of songwriting ideas. Um, it is, uh, I think I mentioned that um, I, I am a pretty lyric 
driven writer. So sometimes right. the story be comes first yeah. or thoughts or, or witticisms that just kind of come in, in snippets, uh, wherever I am. And so I'll, I'll put that in Evernote and I'll, I have one rule. Um, I, ha- I have an Evernote inbox, so to speak, like one notebook that's just called songwriting inbox. And I have one rule that everything I put into it has to have at least one tag on it. And so far, the the most common tag is lyric snippets because I just they just keep coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also have a tag for melody snippets, so I'll I'll sing into my Evernote and um, and I um, then I have a, a review process where. Uh, if I find my thumb itching for Facebook, <laughs> mm, as it I tends to, over, I, I will switch over to Evernote and I'm going to, I, and my goal is to get the inbox kind of the songwriting inbox, just organized, tagged, like kind of using my left brain to right, just your logical organization on and side. sift and organize a lot of these notes and I'll go into the inbox and then I have, I have two other notebooks. One is called songwriting favorite ideas mm-hmm. and another is called songwriting other ideas. I don't, you know, they're, they're not favorite, but they're not bad. And my goal is to take everything out of, out of inbox and into one of those other note, um, notebooks mm. and, and tag and organize. So when that happens, my left brain has something to chew on while my right brain is in the back going, oh, hey, actually, this random note from 2016 kind of matches with this other thing that I put in like a month ago. Maybe I should put this melody with that melody. Yeah, those, and those songwriting calculations. I, I, def- yeah. I definitely do those. Yeah. So um, that that's kind of like the, the the system. Of course, as a creative, sometimes songs download in like ten minutes, and they're just there, and I don't even have to input it into like it, it's just there, and I, I have to translate it. Hmm. Um, or, or like reverse engineer the thing that just downloaded to my head and try and try and capture it. Right, right. Um, and then sometimes I have songs, um, actually the song that, that was the very first one that I took into a professional studio uh, was a song called Arrive that you can find on, it's, it's still out there on like Spotify and mm-hmm. Apple Music and stuff. And that was probably 10 years in the making. Because I originally had some, um, the the last verse in the refrain as a piece of poetry that I had published in my chapbooks uh, a while ago. It's probably like maybe 15 years in the making. God. And um, and I left it and then uh, I somehow revisited it. I think I, I moved or something and pulled out some of my old zines to see if I was going to keep or, or toss. And I was like, Oh, this this poem, all of this, like the first and second standards are crap, but this is really interesting. Yeah. And then a whole other song developed, like like literally dusted it off and then and then pieced it together over the course of, of, of ten years. Um, so my songwriting process has both like a formal and a flow mm-hmm. to yeah, it. I can there's, definitely there, relate to that. Yeah, there's there's definitely a structure, um, and I I consider myself one of the more organized songwriters that I know uh, as far as notes go, but also 
and and because I have like seven years with the material to pull from, I I never have writer's block, mm. like ever. Um, sometimes I'll be like, okay, I wrote this song, it's no good, but that's totally different from writer's block. Where you can't come up with anything. You can't you can't even put yeah. together anything. I have I, no problem putting shitty songs together. That I like is a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could do that all day long. Um, yep. I. Uh, I really like a quote by, I think, Neil Young, where like every night for a while, he'd go in and just come up with a song and he called, I'm turning the tap on. Yes. We'll see what comes out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do also have the similar feeling because I, I think it's really, there's something to be said for knowing that you can kind of carefully archive and organize any idea that you have because it kind of prompts you to be okay with having like the flow you're not, you're not filtering yourself at all at that point. There's no stakes. It's you're going to let anything that could come out, come out and you'll pick up the pieces later anyway. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. I, I definitely think that's a, uh, if anybody out there is, is uh, songwriting, I definitely recommend that strategy that yeah. we're approaching it. The last thing you want to do is put pressure on yourself and be like, this is the carved out time where this quality thing will happen. And if it doesn't, it's a problem. It does not work like that. No, no. I um, I've been doing. Um, I've been reading the Artist Way, which is uh, a pretty popular book in the creative circles, and it's it introduced the idea of the morning pages, where you write three pages of absolute brain dump. It can be completely incoherent, yeah. but you're writing three pages every morning of of brain dumping, and, Just and it's like flushing out the the tap, you know, like like priming the pump. And I, I also participate in, uh, like songwriting challenges, things like that, which, um, have been really, um, transformative for me. So every February there's the February album writing month Mm. and the goal is to write 14 songs in 28 days. And the goal is not to write 14 great songs in 24, (laughs) in 28 days. It's just songs and everybody in the community understands that you're going to write a bunch of not great songs because it's such a fast pace. And that opens you up to experimenting. It opens you up to being goofy and it opens you up to just like writing a song for song's sake and being unattached to whether or not it's quality. Because mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in if you focus on quantity first, the quality will show up. Yeah, because you can always select yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's been transformative for me, and I'll, I'm going to do it again this next year. And you know, whatever songwriting challenge that I um, have have the space for, I, I like to do it just to. Um, it's a good way to to prime the pump and, and get that stuff. That reminds me of uh, my girlfriend. Sometimes does the thirty for thirty uh, poetry writing challenge in April. Oh. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. There's Inktober. There's uh, National Novel Writing Month, which I think started the whole the whole uh, creative challenge idea. Um, and I just I, I think it's such a important thing to get out of your own way. Yeah. When you're when you're in that creative um, when you're in that creative flow. The resistance as the uh, <laughs> what is it? The war of art describes just let yourself generate anything, reserve judgment, hold off on judgment, I think is, is really key, mm-hmm. at least at first. Um, 
So back to what you're doing with um, the digital marketing, beyond Mm -hmm. teaching people just the nuts and bolts, or maybe you don't teach the nuts and bolts of these are how these particular website platforms work, and this is the math you do here, and this is how you enter this. And beyond that stuff, um, are you teaching any kind of larger philosophical themes or ways of thinking? Yeah. Kind of tie in with creativity? Yeah. So I just got done creating a module about Facebook and Instagram creatives. So um, when, when I say the words ad creative, it, it literally means just like the, the text, the image and the video, yeah. what you're looking ad, at as you stumble what, what you're it. looking at, what people will see. Yeah. Um, cause if I say an ad that also includes things like budget and timing and placement and, and other the specific other offer elements. that you're making. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the ad creative is the thing that people see. And one of, I, I have my students pick a track of, of like what their goal is for the six week program. And one of them is visibility. There's visibility, there's leads, there's sales. And if you want, you know, if you want sales, be prepared to put down more money on your Facebook ads. And if you want visibility, well, we can do that for a lower cost. What I'm recommending to my students is Facebook lives. Hmm. And that can bring up a whole lot of psychological stuff um, about broadcasting, about being live and saying something of importance that you're then going to spend money to broadcast even further. And what if I look ugly? And what if there's spinach in my teeth? You're on the spot, so to speak. And and the deeper philosophical part about that is like, are you good enough? And they have to, you know, they thought they signed up for my course (laughs) to learn what button to click. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I have to actually put myself out there. Um, people don't realize it because marketing gets like a, uh, there's pe- people think about it in one particular way. It's like, you know, used car salesmen or big like shouty things on, on the TV or Gimmicks. what have you. But marketing for some of these smaller businesses that I normally work with is a really vulnerable act. It is saying, okay, world. I'm good enough for you to exchange money for my goods and services. Uh, and that is vulnerable. A lot of my yeah, students you have to be genuine be too. And especially on, on social media, there has to be some, some realness to it. Like almost sometimes too much polish turns people off. So it, it gets deeper and philosophical because it's like, okay, well, is this an excuse that's holding you back from actually achieving? Are you, are you afraid of failing? Are you actually afraid of succeeding? Mm. Like, what does that mean? If you succeeded, what would happen? Oh, well then I'd have more responsibilities and then I'd have to fulfill all everybody's orders and expectations of me and all, all this stuff. Like, to be able to unpack that and to sit in the confidence of like, yes, I have something that somebody wants to pay me, me, not Target or Walmart, me, money yeah. for. 
um, can be really scary and really um, uh, tough. So there's, there is this deeper philosophical thing about being seen that always is a, it's a fascinating um, topic for me and everything that I've been doing, whether it's journalism, whether it's marketing, whether it's music is this topic of being seen. Well, if you're seen, what does that mean? Does it mean people love you? Does it mean more haters? Does it mean more trolls? Does it mean, um, does it mean you're going to, you know, get all, you'll get both hate and love in equal measure. Well, what if there's more hate and less love, you know, mm. your brain does a freak out. Cause, uh, I don't think our, 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 our biological selves are really equipped to handle a lot of this new stuff. Yeah, we don't know how to process it. We don't know how to process it. It's it's way too much information. Then all of a sudden this person goes viral and their lives change and then they're back to being a has-been and then treated like a celebrity even though they don't have the money to like it's not like do anything with that. Yeah. Doing anything with that if you were once viral. (laughs) You know? So it's um it's, it's a weird it's, world out there yeah, right now. And especially when you're in the marketing space where you're encouraging people to be seen and that means being vulnerable and that means being open to haters and uh, normal people aren't, you know, they didn't go to celebrity school, you know, uh, even celebrities didn't go to celebrity school sometimes, but like they're, it's just people. And that, that quote from Andy Warhol where everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. Or, Man, how true you know, did that turn out to be? Yeah, that, that became profoundly true and totally weird. And um, it, it's, it's something that I like to, um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see shift in, in some ways. It, it yeah, it, it can get really philosophical, but I'm just gonna like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna Cliff stop right version. <laughs> yeah, it's a part of what you're describing. It's almost as if you could be like, uh, you know, in the olden times, a uh, an A and R representative, right. and uh, you know, guiding like some young musician along the uh, the path of like getting their the career going. Or yeah, now, yeah. yeah, you're you're helping uh, someone who's starting out with whatever project it is they have kind of discover themselves and ha- how to uh, operate in the larger world. So it must be endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, this has been a really interesting discussion for me. I'm, I'm, uh, I was, I knew I was very keen to, to talk to somebody who does what you do about these topics. So definitely oh, feel like I've great. gotten some insights. Um, if anyone is listening to this, who, um, you know, if they're a small business or a, a creative person and they wanted to kind of look at, into what you do more, where would they, uh, where mm-hmm. would they want to go? So they can go to Yada Creative, which is Y-A-D-A-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E, Yada Creative. That's my last name is Yada. And um, they can book a call with me if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Um, I also am planning to offer this six-month course, or sorry, six-week uh, training course. And there's already 
there's already a couple of musicians in that. So it really caters to anybody who's got a small business or a, an online project um, uh, that, that could use some training on the Facebook platform in general. Um, I'm planning on, on opening the doors to that in the new year in, mm. in 2020. And, um, yeah. So, and then also with my music. Yeah. yeah little um, spiral. Uh, where do you, where do you uh, yeah, like to have people yeah. listen? I'm at littlespiral.com. You should be able to find all my socials there. Um, and you know, Spotify, Apple music, um, all, all of the good stuff. Very cool. Well, Suzanne, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. That was Suzanne Yeda. Totally a pleasure talking to her. A fascinating career she's had so far. Um, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun for me. So I'm going to leave you off with the little spiral song, Arrive. And uh, I'll be back in here again soon. You know you are my friend. That's what friends would say I know you've got a thousand questions What am I doing back here anyway? I'm deciding where I am But no one decided where I am not And I was so stuck on leaving I forgot where to arrive You're telling me your whole story Like one big happiness cliche You say you found your four-leaf clover But tell me what does your four-leaf clover say About the path of least resistance Or the diamond in the rough And if your wildest dreams are all coming true Well, maybe your dreams aren't wild enough I didn't come to you for some closure directions too yeah i'm totally irresponsible but guess what baby so are you and you're always living your life i'm willing to make some big mistakes like being so stuck on leaving you forget where to
Who to arrive? 